Hello and welcome into another edition of our Stingers Up Sacramento State Hornet football podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you for checking us out. We've had fun doing this. And of course, we had so much fun last weekend in Missoula, Montana. First time ever the Sacramento State Hornets had a win in Missoula. Uh, it was it was great to be on the call with that with Steve McElroy and Danny Sullivan. And speaking of our guys, uh, they're going to join us today here on our Stingers Up Football podcast and what that game meant to them and what we can expect going forward. Because Saturday, it will be homecoming night as the Hornets will take on Northern Arizona. So we'll hear from those guys. We'll preview the game. We'll look back at last week's game. Lots, lots of stuff to cover. We'll start out kind of where the Hornets are in the big picture in the big sky. Still just three teams left. Undefeated in conference, Eastern Washington also undefeated overall, but 4-0 in conference. Montana State, 4-0 overall in conference. Uh, they've got a great thing going on. And then, of course, the Hornets. They have those two losses to Northern Iowa and to Cal, but in conference after the win over Montana, they are 3-0 and in league play. And if you look at what's ahead this week, some games to watch, or at least on the schedule, Idaho State is at Montana State. You have Weber State at number 2 Eastern Washington. That's a really big game for Weber on any kind of postseason hopes for them. Uh, Montana, still ranked. Uh, they are number 11 or 12 on the uh, different polls. They are going to take on Idaho in Idaho. Northern Colorado at Southern Utah. UC Davis, now ranked 10th at Cal Poly. And Sacramento State, now finally in the top 25 at number 19. They will take on Northern Arizona Saturday night. Fred Anderson Field at Hornet Stadium, 6 o'clock kickoff. Uh, but first, let's look back. Let's look back at what was a great, great win, a historic win, for Sacramento State in Missoula. Third and goal from the three, 9.49 left first quarter. Dunaway at the eight-yard line, back to throw, looks left, throws a quick slant in between three. It's caught. It is caught by Sacramento State. No ruling yet in the end zone. Touchdown. There we go. How did Chris Miller catch that? He was pinched between three defenders, and Miller brings it in. The freshman gets his first touchdown as a Hornet. Miller was hit by three defenders. He was sandwiched between two, and then there was another one. I've never seen such a, a crushing blow by three guys. It took the officials a long time to call the touchdown because he was just absolutely smushed. I'm looking at the replay, Steve. I think the throw was tipped at the line of scrimmage as well. Uh, just an amazing catch by Miller for his first career touchdown. What an opening drive. Hornets score first. They lead 6-0. Extra point by Sinkowski is up, and it is good. The perfect way for Sacramento State to start this game. 9.41 left in the first quarter. Hornets 7, Grizzlies nothing. Here comes Cameron Scadaboo in. He's that extra back. He's powerful. The freshman from Rio Linda, 5-10-2-12. He'll be in a crowded backfield for the Hornets. Triplets the receiver to the right. Four minutes, 30 seconds left in the second quarter. Hornets have a second and goal at the two. Two tight end formation. Snap comes into O'Hare. It's a little low. He'll keep it. He'll run left. He'll go airborne. And he's in. Touchdown. Head over heels. O'Hara lands in the end zone. Touchdown, Hornets. Gee whiz. That's so dangerous. That is crazy. We're not too far from Butte, Montana, and he looked like Evil Knievel at Caesars Palace there. Wow. He literally went over tea kettle and whatever you call it. And And left the ball out there again. He did. It's a second and ten. New opportunity here. Dunaway with pressure coming up the middle. Look out. Dodges one. Rolls to his right. It's going to throw late towards the end zone. Gibson caught it. Touchdown, Sacramento State. Great improv by Dunaway. Gibson gets his second touchdown of the game in the Hornets lead. Brown back to throw. Looks to the end zone. Throws. Intercepted. It is intercepted at the two-yard line by Hawkins. What a play. 
The third time today the Hornets have turned it over. They have not been allowing any points out of it, including that pick by the senior Hawkins. Oh, from our beautiful press box view, I go, this is a touchdown. It was underthrown. On first down on a little post, skinny post as you'd call it. And it was wide open, and that ball was underthrown, and Hawkins jumped high enough. It was thrown late, too. The receiver had already, he would have had to backtrack for the ball. Here we go, third down and eight for the Grizzlies. Back to throw is Brown. Brown has pocket crunched. He is sacked. The Hornets brought the heat, and it's Josiah Erickson that drops him back at the 35-yard line. Erickson actually ended up ripping the ball away. It wasn't a fumble. It was after he was down. But Erickson came with everything he had there. Fourth down and 16. Here we go. Hornet defense. They need to keep Montana shy of the 49. They have to cross midfield. It's fourth and 16. Do they bring the heat? Do they get the pressure? Four will come. Brown back to throw on fourth and long. He is sacked. He is sacked. And the Hornets are going to get the victory. Killian Roscoe comes up with the sack. And for the first time in school history, The Hornets just have to take a knee, and they're going to win in Missoula, Montana. If there was any way to express the joy of this, I would spit it out. But this is priceless. Well, here we go. The Hornets have to just secure the ball and take a knee. The Grizzly fans are stunned. Remember, in the history of this stadium, they've lost 33 times. They've won 212. Snap comes into Dunaway. He takes a knee. Hornets are going to have to do it one more time. They've knocked, they're going to knock off number five. And, Steve, most importantly, they're going to go to 3-0 and in the big sky. 3-0 and in the big sky. They're going to go in the top 25 big time. And they were 19-point underdogs when the line opened. Yep, and they had a 21-6 lead at one point, lost that lead, or at least it was tied. They scored the last points. They take a knee, and that's going to do it. The Hornets are going to meet at the center of the field, congratulate the Grizzlies on an incredible win by Sacramento State. Your final, Hornets 28, the Grizzlies 21. Well, as you could tell, it was quite a win and well-deserved for Sacramento State. So, the reaction. I mean, uh, I've done this a long time for Sacramento State football. It was a rewarding day, certainly on an individual side for me, but for the players, for the coaches, all the guys that worked so hard to uh, get a well-earned victory over a very good football team, it it just felt great. And I thought there would be no one better to discuss that with, with my longtime radio partner, longtime friend, Steve McRoy, as we welcome him here to our Stingers Up Hornet podcast. Steve, what did that mean to you personally to see the Hornets finally win in football in Montana? Well, I, you know, you always want to have a good call in a big moment. And my comment was just that I couldn't really put it into words, the satisfaction that we were feeling. We love going there, and we've had some great games there, and we've had some bad games there, but it was, it was a high point. And some people might say, oh, beating a Pac-12 team is the highest you can get to. or That was basically our highest moment. Yeah, I mean, and it was... Incredible to see in person, and at what point did you feel like it was going to happen? Because you and I have been there too many times where the team has been in these types of games, and for lack of a better term, the Hornets have been Montanaed. I don't even know if that's a word, but something happens there uh, that the Hornets lose, and this time it didn't. When did you really finally go, it's going to happen? Well, just to backtrack, I felt like the opposite might be occurring. I thought the Hornets were going to win the whole game, 
But then when they got a bad spot, and then after they got the bad spot on the next play with the quarterback keeper where he extended his yard, uh, his arm a good yard past the first down, and then the officials uh, wouldn't let Coach get a replay, and then the Hornets coach called a timeout, and they still wouldn't give a replay, and they were saying that, oh, they blew forward progress dead. It appeared that the Hornets, even though they had good officiating all game, may have gotten those famous, you know, omen calls at the end of the ball game. But the great news was that, you know, uh, scared money never wins, mm-hmm. is what the defensive coordinator said. And when Erickson got the sack and then Roscoe got the sack, that was just amazing. Yeah. And uh, that, that secured the victory. The Hornets refused to go into the prevent defense, and they got two sacks. Yeah, and to, and then to get the win, a game in which that for some reason they were heavy underdogs. We knew they could go in there and compete. Uh, they did more than that. They win the game. They played with the lead most of the time. And honestly, Steve, I thought they just played really well for four quarters. Absolutely. And using a two-quarterback attack, which is questioned by everyone, worked extremely effectively. Um The one thing that they did that all say that we've noticed, wide receivers would try and stretch a five-yard gain into seven and hold the ball out and fumble, or people would try too hard, or the Hornets would get a foolish penalty, or the Hornets would always try too hard when we played in Montana and we were close. This game, we seemed like we were the poised team that thought we should win the game. There was a couple of really cool things that happened. One, you and I have been friends and broadcast partners for years um, neither of us knew at the moment at the end. I think we both internally were sensing something special was happening. I've never filmed a play in my life uh, while calling a game, and I don't think you had either, and yet we both did on that fourth down. I didn't see you pick up your phone. I don't think you saw me. How how weird for you was that moment? Because it was great to me, and then we both ended up filming each other. It was one of those bizarre things. You know, our wives, always talk about how like I'll bring up a Brady Bunch episode and you know exactly what I'm talking about and how you and I are just in sync. And we're lucky as broadcasters that as friends, we're so in sync with each other. And the weird thing for me is you just said that you've never filmed a play before while you're announcing. Well, you do a podcast and you do social media and you read Twitter, Twitter and all that other stuff. (laughs) Twitter. Because of my... Because of my tweeter, I don't even know the name of it. Because of my my loose tongue, as you know, I have a funny sense of humor where I talk before I think. I'm uh, and my wife's an attorney. I am banned from any form of media where I can get fired, and so for me to be taping it was totally unordinary. And you're doing play by play, and then I, when I turn my camera to get you, and you're turning your camera to get me after we both film the final sack. That was just one of those moments that is absolutely priceless. So, so to hear it was your first time, it, at, you know, absolutely it was my first time. And I guess you posted it or something because I'm getting calls from all kinds of people saying that they saw it online. Yeah, on the tweeter. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the Facebooks. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so there was that moment. And then one, you got to experience, you and Danny, uh, for me, uh, just to let people in, I guess, a little bit. We are going through uh, to get on the charter. Um, a lot of people get through unscreened. Some have to get screened. Just kind of the process that we've had the last couple of years. And I was one. I was one of the lucky ones that had a chance to get extra screening before getting on the plane. Anyway, you and Danny got on earlier. I know you talked to some of the coaches in the front of the plane, but you guys told me about this moment later. Uh, what was that moment for you? And kind of getting some accolades, I guess, from from the traveling party. Kind of tell us that story. 
Yes. So everybody thinks that the plane is a big celebration. There was a huge celebration. I think that's on the Facebook of the plate <laughs> of the team uh, celebrating in the locker room after the game. But the plane rides usually are kind of mellow going home. And one thing we've talked about is back in the day, whether it was Charles Roberts, Ricky Ray, all our players over history, we've gotten to know the teams a little bit better in previous years than we have lately. COVID, all kinds of other things. But I got on the plane and I talked to Troy Taylor, the head coach, and it was all excited, and um, Bobby Frescas, the quarterback coach. And then as I'm going back, a couple of the players that do recognize me were fist bumping me, and I was just saying, thanks, thanks. Hey, you guys, that was great. And I must add a big smile on my face because I noticed that guys hadn't settled into their phones or movies yet because they were boarding the plane. I noticed a lot of the team was looking at me, so I raised my voice and I just said, hey, guys, I've been doing the radio for 25 years. And we have never won in Montana. And the plane, and I said, thank you. And the plane just erupted with cheers and excitement over the wind. So it was a relief. It was a, the greatest feeling I've ever had. But it was a great release for the players to be able to just yell out and celebrate one more time before the, the plane got boarded. Yeah, because it's so true. I mean, you know this, people, but like, oh, that was one of the greatest wins. What's the plane like? You you described it. It's to me, if you're a player that talks, you you talk on the plane. If you sleep, you sleep. If you play video game, whatever, um, it it wouldn't have looked any different, to be honest, Steve, than our flight out going to Montana. That's kind of the way they celebrated in the locker room. They celebrated on the field, but then it's uh, you know we're just heading home, pretty chill. Yeah, and and there's some people that aren't spiritual, or some people that aren't whatever. I'll tell you one thing, Jason. Though, even if the plane's the same level of noise. When you lose a game mm. and you're on the plane, you can feel it. Yeah. And when you win a game on the plane, you can feel it. When you talk about energy that people produce without talking or saying anything, trust me, there's a big difference on the plane, even if the volume level's the same between a win and a loss. And that was a happy plane on the way home. That's for sure. And then all the years we've done this, too, not only seeing the Hornets win for the first time in Montana, you and I, to the best of my recollection, the first time we had an incredible view of an in-stands fight. I've had several people talk to me about that, that said that they heard that. And, uh, I mean, I feel like we saw uh, bits and pieces. Maybe there were missing pieces that we didn't get, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a legitimate fight. Oh, and, and it took everything in me. I don't know what to think because, you know, I say things, I make reference to songs when we're broadcasting, and I make funny little hokey references and stuff. You know I'm the biggest boxing fan in the world from the Muhammad Ali days to Larry Holmes to Mike Tyson. I pay for all the pay-per-view fights, like the one that just happened in the heavyweight division, and I seriously wanted to break into a Howard Cosell and describe (laughs) that fight. But at that moment, the game was at such a tense time with the Hornets trying to secure victory that I didn't go into my Howard Cosell or didn't go into describing the fight. And I'm really happy that you did because everybody was curious about it. But literally, we couldn't help but talk about it because there was a free-for-all fist fight right underneath our booth. Yeah, and and with the Grizzly fans fighting one another, something, you know, you might see a push or a shove or, you know, volume getting raised but it you know that was we probably described three plays and it was still going that that was something i hadn't seen before and and the thing is um ironically the the number one guy in the fight which would make him last uh was like a 60 something year old man who was just knocking people down and throwing people over chairs and so it wasn't like your fight of teenagers right and to its credit or detriment, in Montana, there's no security. You can come and go from the game at halftime and come back in without going through a metal detector. And it's, it's Montana. It's, it's old-fashioned United States. 
And so that's the good thing about it. The bad thing about it is because the people are so well behaved there and police themselves, it took a long time for any security to get to the fight. Yeah, it was bizarre. And you're right. It was in the, the Hornets are trying to drive and ice the game. And we're seeing two incredible things at the very same time. Um, so, okay, the, horn, the the bummer about this is you and I will probably revel in this win for years, for years. The Hornets have to just play this week. They have to get back at it. They're ranked. They feel good. They should feel good. Um, but they can't let off the uh, gas here as they get NAU this Saturday for a homecoming. So um, as much as we've you know marveled in this great win, the reality is it's one win, and you have to move on to and beat the Lumberjacks. Okay, well, one thing I'm proud about the players for is when we did get on the plane and we talked to them after the game, they knew, they didn't know the history that you and I have had for 25 years of losing there, but they knew that Montana had not lost at home in over a 1,000 days. So they knew more than we thought they knew. But on the flip side of that, if you and I were playing this week, we would lose <laughs> because we're still thinking about last week. You know, we're, yeah. not, we're not learning any new plays, and you haven't sent me any new uh, – adjectives this week to use to describe things if you and i were playing we would lose we would be relishing in the game and we wouldn't even put our socks on right fortunately the players are younger than us and they're more disciplined than us i guess but they'll be ready to play but you and i would not be yeah plus i i'm you know i think i'm such a big fan of this coaching staff i think you know they're going to do their part to have this team ready they'll be scouted they'll be prepared and they'll say all the things that they're supposed to do i just think this coaching staff is is so strong all the way around. Yes, it's it's very balanced, and I was most impressed with the fact that, uh, you know, our defensive coordinator, Andy Thompson, I absolutely love him, and he's not a prevent defense guy. He's a great person. He's a great coach. He's aggressive. He has 100% of the reins on defense. And then Troy Taylor, to be able to throw in new plays even at the end of a competitive game like that, the playbook is so deep. We haven't had a more prepared team in all the time um, that we've we've been doing this. So I am excited about that. And they do have the ability to get the guys ready to go for the week after an amazing victory. So what is the statute of limitations for you and I? I mean, I kind of want to keep playing this game on loop for, I don't know, 10 years or so? Yeah, I I don't know what the over-under is for our next broadcast of how much we talk about the Montana game. But on my wall from my broadcast history, I, I got a picture with myself and Larry King at the Super Bowl. But I, I only hang a limited number of things in my office because I've been doing this for over 30 years like you. Um, but this game, the uh, the media pass is going to go on the wall. So I don't know what the over-under is, but I think we're going to talk a decent amount about this game, not only this week, but forever. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, it was fun. Uh, Hornets have a good thing going. Still first place right now in conference and undefeated. Uh, Steve, this was fun to catch up and uh, share some of those memories, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. Yeah, and, and Ad, as always, I guess you're the legend, so uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go from Steve McElroy to the guy, our third member of our team, who works the sidelines, and that is Danny Sullivan, also worked with us for a long time, longtime friend as well. Uh, emotional day for all of us. Uh, Danny, your reaction to the uh, Hornets pulling it off and getting the W in Missoula? Jason, I, I have to say it was probably the best experience so far besides our big win in the Pac-12 games than for any other game we've ever done. Uh, it was just so amazing to be down there on the field to watch this team go through what they did all game long, stick together, and just just take every bit of excitement out of the fans in Missoula was just amazing. 
Well, and you know it too, Danny. You've been there multiple times, and, and that that's a key point because that place, I thought there were moments in the game where the crowd was doing their part to rattle the offense a little bit, to get some false starts, but there's nothing quite like quieting a crowd there uh, in the fourth quarter, and ultimately the last people you hear cheering were the Hornets. Uh, what was the closing moments like for you when you know basically the sacks happened um, and the knees are delivered, uh, you know, the two final kneels down, and it's a Hornet win. What was the sideline like? The sideline was just amazing to see all the players hugging each other and just the excitement. They knew what was what was at stake in this game. They knew for them overall, but they also knew the history for for the team overall for the Hornets there in Missoula. And it was just so awesome to watch their reactions and our fans that were made the trip. Their reactions was just amazing to watch. I mean, I have to be honest, there was a little tear in my eye just because mm. it was just so amazing. We know how long it's been to get a win in in that place, and it was just it was just so amazing just to be there in that moment. I kind of wish I was up with you guys, but I enjoyed being exactly where I was to just see the whole thing play out. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was truly a, a landmark type of victory to beat a number five ranked team place they hadn't done it and you know I know we went down to you a couple times during the game because we were noticing as were you uh the intensity of coach Troy Taylor who uh, the ultimate competitor um certainly though off the field seems pretty chill he was as adamant Danny that I can remember and uh, you're you're closer to him in all the games coach was was kind of fired up on Saturday wasn't he he was and, and what's so ex- it's so amazing to watch him is you know that call that calm cool demeanor of his is is there when he's working when he's doing plays and stuff like that but he's also there and he's fighting for his team and he's fighting for every every person on that sideline all the players for when he feels that they're not getting a break that they should be getting or something was missed or just things happening that they want to bring to the attention of the referees or anyone else he's fighting for his team and that's what's the awesome part about it because you know the coach is going to go to bat for you when they feel there's something wrong the other thing, Danny, about this win to me was the Hornets have gotten better each week, and I think this last week against Montana was there were mistakes, there were some penalties, there were some turnovers, but really a good, well-balanced offensive, defensive, special teams type game. Did you think this was one of the better games you've seen from the Hornets this year? I do, and and I think we saw more of it last week against Southern Utah that it was starting to come together. We have seen it kind of build and build as they've got used to playing games this year from not playing from last year, and you saw the progression, and, and I believe we had talked even after the game against Southern Utah, you felt that this team was finally starting to gel on all aspects of their game, and they and and that just continued this week with Montana, and uh it's been great to see that progression and the team grow. It's also you're the one closer to it than us, but we we get asked all the time up in the booth or visiting teams or other teams going about these two quarterbacks. Uh, it, is it weird to see the, even the shuffle down there? Because sometimes we've seen – we're now all established that they're playing Jake and they're playing Asher, but sometimes we've seen them even run in during a play or before a play starts like, nope, we're going to switch even – you know, a few seconds before the play, this is getting really crazy, but it's still effective. It works for them. It's kind of a crazy chaos. And if you're trying to watch from the other sideline to see what they're doing, sometimes I really think it's more of a distraction that they're trying to create for the other team to see that 
they don't know like, like they don't know what's going on, but they really do know what's going on. And and I think it's just kind of a fun and games. We've seen it in the in the National Football League. Like I would say, Kansas City Chiefs they do a best job of uh, misdirection and acting like they're confused in situations. But it's really controlled chaos. And I sometimes I think that's exactly what the Hornets are doing at some times, at some points when they're doing that. Well, and now the Hornets. Uh, I just mentioned this with Steve earlier. Um, you and me and Steve, we'll we'll. I know we're going to be talking about this win for years, but the reality of the sport, you got a new team to play on Saturday, and you don't want to give back all the goodwill you just built up with a great win in Montana. Here's Northern Arizona, um, a team that put up some really big numbers last week, a talented team. Look, we know the big sky of Davis. We saw them lose to Idaho State. Anything can happen on a Saturday. So um, I, it'll be probably easier for the players to get focused than us. We're still dwelling on this. But um, what do you think about the matchup with NAU, a homecoming on Saturday night? I think it's going to be a huge matchup. And you're exactly right. The players and the coaches, they enjoyed that victory. And once we got on the plane and once we took off, they, they were done with it. They have moved on. They were getting ready for, for NAU. And this is, this is a team that has shown – they can score. They can score quickly. It's a good team, offensive and defensively. And you can't you cannot let up in the big sky at any time because you just don't know what team is lurking. And I really think they're going to be focused. It's going to be a matter of fact if we're going to be focused because we're still going to be reeling from from Montana. But we'll set in, and I believe the players will be will be fine just because they know what's in stake after that big win against Montana. The schedule kind of evens out for the next four weeks and we have teams we should beat but it's just a matter you have to be focused and you have to pay attention to every detail and take every game one by one and, and that's how it's all going to play out yeah and i think the important thing is for the carryovers danny from the 2019 uh conference championship season that group went to nau uh, playing well thinking they would have an easy victory and it was not that was a game that uh, jake dunaway had some late game heroics and in, in one of the steals of a game of a lifetime, so uh, they they should know that NAU is going to be a tough test. You should hope so. Jake should have great memories. Yes, of the final two two and a half minutes or whatever it was there in that game to to rely on and pass on to Asher and the rest of the team that you know this team is going to battle it with NAU, and and we have to be prepared, but we have to just play our game and just go out there and get a victory. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, Danny, it's fun catching up. I know we look forward to uh, seeing you on Saturday for homecoming. Look for, Looking forward to it, Jason. Well, as Danny mentioned, the importance now is to stay locked in, to be focused, to be ready for Northern Arizona. We were kind of touching on it there at the end. Uh, we do want to take you back to that game uh, two years ago. The Hornet season was going great. They had all those landmark wins over Eastern Washington and Montana and Montana State only stubbing their toe against Weber. But then they were in trouble. They were in trouble at uh, JL Walkup Sky Dome in northern Arizona and Flagstaff. They were on their way to a loss. But one of the greatest comebacks we had seen in the short amount of time, let's listen back to that miracle finish for the Hornets. The people you're going to hear in this feature, in this recap, you're going to hear from Deron Bland, from Pierre Williams, Coach Jeremy LaPan, the special teams coach, and quarterback Jake Dunaway, as it really was... A miracle. At first, it was unbelievable. Yeah, you can say that. Uh, but it came from hard work. That was probably one of the craziest moments. After, like, when I was just standing there, I was just like, I was like, dang, we really just did that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just crazy. Because, like, a lot of people thought, like, oh, they're, 
they came off a loss and like oh they were, they thought we were just defeated but you know we did good as a team and all put it, put it all together and we came out with the W. It was fun. Most exciting game I've ever been a part of. Yeah. You know the last two minutes and having special teams be such a uh, a big contributor to that. So that was, that was fun to see. Saturday, November 9th, 2019, will live forever in Sacramento State Hornet football history. The miracle at 7,000 feet. But before you get to this... He's to the five! He's to the pylon! Touchdown, Hornets! Wow! You have to understand this. And uh, this one will go down as a very disappointing performance by Sacramento State. And so all the big plays have been made by Northern Arizona. This game did turn in a wild final two minutes that started not with offense or defense, but with special teams. On fourth down, and an end-over-end kick goes to Sacramento State, who had a return man on that sideline. They got blockers up the sideline. That's Bland to the 40, to the 45, as the kicker to beat gets to the outside, and he's still on his feet and tackled at Northern Arizona's 37-yard line. That was well done. Because Pierre Williams was here to the near side. They put Deron yeah, Bland in uh, that open space, and Northern secret, Arizona wasn't ready. Yeah, secret return man over there. I was waiting for that moment because uh, I haven't returned a punt since high school. So. Did you think you were going? Oh, yeah, I thought I was going. Yeah. I didn't. I had one block. One, yeah. one, <laughs> I didn't see him, so, yeah. So they had shown on film to uh, be pretty susceptible um, since they consistently punted to the boundary. Um, and so I was like, hey, I really liked it on the right hash. They're right hashes. They look at it because um, <clears throat> they had a high tendency for that. Uh, they ha- hadn't really given us opportunity for that, and uh, you know, early in the game, because I was lo- just looking for the first opportunity I could find. Um, late in the game, it was on the left hash, and I was like, "Let's call it anyways." Pierre, line up, you know, hard to the left, you know, because I think they're going to kick away from you, and then let's get another guy in the rusher. So I, to- I told a couple of guys, "Hey." packing the in the interior gaps because if they roll out they're going to punt to the field you know you roll right kick mm-hmm. right it's the easiest thing and they shouldn't all year and so right when i saw him roll out to the right i was like yes kicked it right to the right spot and uh pierre did a great job decoying we had to wait till it was a uh, the right time where we could uh, disguise it uh correctly and then when we called it it just worked i had to disguise it fake and then deron bland was just wide open he took it down the sideline and cut it back across and got us in good field position the hornets have this now at the 37 yard line with two minutes and four seconds to go they obviously have to score fast and get an onside kick they're out of timeouts i guess we'll say stranger things have happened but it would take a lot for sacramento state to pull this off four receivers left one to the right dunaway looks to his left steps up in the pocket throws downfield open to the end zone it's caught touchdown sacramento state Gable in the end zone and hold on a 30-yard touchdown for the Hornets has made this 34 to 30. Just completely quieted the jail walk-up sky dome. Beautiful post and Gable found himself open in the middle of the field. So now the extra point to try to make this 34-31 and it will all come down to the onside kick. You know those things don't happen very often you know we're just fortunate that you know Devin did his job everybody did their own job that was kind of our message for the week was just do your job and you know luck was on our side a little bit with the bounce but you know everybody's got to be in the in the right position you know to make those kind of plays so um, just hats off to our to our coaching staff and our players for for getting it done. So the Hornets need a break here one minute and 38 seconds left they'll try the onside again trailing 34-31 it's pretty simple. The only hope is to recover the onside kick. If it's picked up by the Lumberjacks, this game will be over. Hornets now shift two to the left side. They'll kick the same way. Takes a better hop. It's high in the air. And Pierre Williams has it. Pierre Williams has it. And he has it at the 47-yard line. Uh, I just seen the ball bounce twice, and I knew on that bounce 
I was like, that one's going to go up high. And I was like, it's my ball to get. And I just, I, that's all I seen. I didn't see anything else. I just seen the ball and I just went and got it. And then I was just trying to get to my sideline after I got it. So I was just handing the ball to the ref and I was running to the sideline. And I was just getting ready for the drive. Unbelievable onside kick. There is life for the Hornets. The perfect kick has given the Hornets the ball at the 47-yard line. It took the, who, the hippity hop up into the air and got high in the air. And then who's going to get it? Pierre Williams. Your 6-4 receiver. Unbelievable. So it's 34-31. The Hornets were dead. They were absolutely cooked. And now they have life. They have the football trailing 34-31 with 98 seconds left and no timeouts. Yeah, you know, they, they started to play a lot of soft coverage, um, which is I kind of expected going out there. You know, they want to, you know, play it cautious. You know, don't, don't give up a big play. Um, so, you know, Coach Taylor just came up to me and told me, you know, just take what they give you, you know, go through your progression and, and, you know, just try to slowly move the ball down the field. And we started off, you know, taking those little short throws and, you know, throwing a five-yard play and letting Dot and those guys take it for 15 was a, a big help. So after the first play, you know, I already felt like we were in field goal range. So after that, just taking care of the ball and, you know, just trying to stay calm. 34-31, Hornets down by three, trying to pull off a miracle comeback. They'll put Pierre Williams in the backfield and Dotson one-on-one as a receiver here to the right. Ball snap between the hash marks. Martin now shifts from left to right. Williams goes in motion, emptying the backfield, leaving Perkins in there. Back to throw is Dunaway. Has a man open downfield. It's caught, Pierre Williams. I caught it and I turned around and I seen he was like almost at he was like near the end zone. And then I was like, whoa, I think I was like, I think I can get there. And then so I just sprinted for the pylon. I just dove. I was like, I don't think he can stop me. I was like, I'm kind of heavy, so I was like, I don't think he's better to stop my weight from moving. He's to the five. He's to the pylon. Touchdown, Hornets! Wow! 23 seconds to go. The Hornets' sideline's going crazy. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, exceptional plays. Uh, a lot of different things had to happen, um, you know, and when they all lined up and actually did happen, you know, um, we were all super excited, you know, that we were able to execute at a level that we know we're able to execute on, you know, after stalling a little bit in the second, third quarter, able to pick it back up in the fourth quarter and kind of just pressure Will on a team, you know, um, that thinks that they have it in the bag and, you know, for us to come back and just really stick to what we know and, and just be able to get every phase of the game under control, you know, that was a big big part in the win. So I just hope our audience isn't watching Heidi. <laughs> for those of you old listeners, my good, what happened? The Hornets were done. Absolutely done. The Hornets were trailing and got the ball back with about two and a half minutes to go. I Remember the punt. Jason is crying. I just <laughs> got back from Italy and saw 100 churches, and we've just seen a resurrection of the Hornets. Can you just describe these last two minutes of this game? Yeah, it was uh, it was looking pretty bleak there, and then uh, defense got a stop, and we had worked that punt return, the little fake trick play. We thought it could work. It gave us some energy. It gave us great field position. We were able to, to score in a couple of plays. We had worked the uh, onside kick later this week a lot, recovered it, guys made plays, and, yeah, it's a, it's a great moment. Well, what a day. Fun to recap that, relive it. Now the Hornets have to focus on what's ahead. All right, so we've done a lot of reflecting today. The great win last week against Montana, the great win two years ago, and the comeback style against Northern Arizona. Now it's time at the task at hand. This week, this game, Northern Arizona. Trying to understand the Lumberjacks, they're a bit tricky. They're 3-3. Three and three two and one in league. So let's think about it from their perspective. If they get a win over the Hornets, 
that puts them at three and one in league. They get right back into the conversation, a team that maybe a lot of people forgot about early after a loss to Sam Houston, who was number one at the time, after a loss to South Dakota, blown out in that game. Then they get that landmark odd win against Pac-12 Arizona, something they hadn't done in years. So that hashtag fear the FCS, fear the big sky, well, it came into effect there with the NAU win in week three over Arizona 21-19. to They follow that up, though, with a very curious loss in overtime against Northern Colorado 17-10. But now let's take you to the last two weeks where they have really started to put it together. A quality and thumping win over Idaho State 48-17 to last weekend 59-35 over Southern Utah. 107 points over the last two weeks is what NAU has been able to put up. Part of the difference, they've changed quarterbacks. R.J. Martinez in that Idaho State game, 26 of 45, 369 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also ran for 57 and a score. Even better last week against Southern Utah, 23 of 29, 417 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, ran for 65 and two more scores. This NAU team is going to test That Hornet defense, which played so well last week, offense has to be sharp. This will not be an easy game by any means. It'll be homecoming, should be a good crowd. We know weather, it's been a little rain off and on during the week. We'll see how much of an impact that has on Saturday. But you love nothing better than beating a ranked team like Montana, getting yourself right back into the top 25 in top spot in the big sky. But you got to back it up with a quality win, and let's hope the Hornets could do that Saturday against Northern Arizona. Our thanks to Steve McElroy, to Danny Sullivan for joining us. Thank you to all of you that uh, took the time to listen to today's podcast, this week's podcast. We'll be back next week for a recap of NAU and a preview of Northern Colorado, all that and more. But thank you very much for listening to another edition of our Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast.